You were sitting on the grass, hunched over, staring fiercely at the bright, lonely day in an attempt to make sense of it all. In between nervous glances over your shoulder, you look up at the sky and see that it is spotted with white clouds. Fickle puffs of would-be rain float in isolation, morphing mindlessly into abstract shapes and dogs and the face of God as you watch. There are three screaming voices in your head. You have a decision to make. The first of these three voices in your head is mine, and it is rich and compelling. Some sticklers might say that my voice is really just your voice, addressing yourself in the second person, but it hurts your tiny brain to think about it too much. Ah, semantics, you say, without really knowing what semantics means, because that is what you always say when your tiny brain starts to hurt. The other two voices in your head disagree over this big decision you have to make. They yell, frantically, desperately, angrily, confusingly, and though the finer details of their passionate pleas are lost in the screaming match inside your brain, essentially, one of them is saying yes, and the other is saying no. Now, me personally, I, I have no horse in this race when it comes to the big decision. I'm non-partisan, I'm on your side, and I want you to think of me as, like, Switzerland. I'm just trying to make sense of it all for you, to bring a bit of coherence and impartiality to this screaming match inside your brain. And I know this is all quite a lot to take in, and sitting here on the grass on this bright and lonely day, looking over your shoulder, watching the clouds perform abstract, fluffy impersonations of dragons and dolphins and the face of God just for you, I know that you're starting to think that maybe, maybe, you're going crazy. But you're not. No. No, you just have a lot of internal conflict. There's quite a lot at stake here, after all. Whew. So let me just summarize all that for you. You have a big decision to make, and you have three voices screaming in your head. Yes, no, and me. Though I'm of course really just you, but you know, semantics. <laughs> Ooh, shit. Sorry. Hold on a second. How could I forget? Yeah, there's also that big brown bag of money. The money doesn't have a voice, but it's a fairly major character all the same. How did this all happen, you ask, bewildered, sad, sick of fighting? You think that this is a rhetorical question, but I answer. I'm cheeky like that. This all happened because you missed your bus. 
We could of course go back further and scrutinize the mathematical probabilities of this series of unfortunate and flukish events through space and time that led specifically to you missing this bus on this morning in this dimension, but you have a tendency to overthink things and I think it's important that we draw the line somewhere. You missed your bus. You walk to sit on a bench in the park across the road while waiting for the next bus to come. Because buses are always coming and going, that's a fundamental law of the universe, and you were going to get one of them, eventually. You saw a brown paper bag hidden clumsily in a mound of pale dirt. You looked inside, because, I mean, why wouldn't you? And in it, you saw reams of small green paper. Hundies. Avocados. Bradman's. Hundreds of hundred dollar notes, too many to count really, it was impossible to tell at a glance how much money was in there. So you head checked, obviously, you stuffed the bag down your pants, obviously, and you fled to a grassy knoll an inconspicuous distance away from the scene. You have sat there and alternately looked at the bench, and then at the people around the bench, and then at the clouds in the sky for the last four hours. And you now have three voices screaming in your head and a decision. The no voice is a real Boy Scout. The campaign is loud and vanilla. It says, hey buddy, that money belongs to someone. Or it's drug money or some kind of fraud. This voice appeals to your sense of empathy or sense of conscience or sense of not wanting to go to jail or be killed by the mob. It slaps Bibles and ethics textbooks and compels you to do kindly unto others and so on and so forth. The money, says the voice, is a clear and obvious moral or legal trap. It is attached, you idiot, to some invisible strings. This is all too good to be happening to you. The Yes campaign is all about bells and all about whistles. It is simple and inspired, dropping images of speedboats and mansions and shopping trolleys full of the good halloumi, not the cheap stuff, into your mind's eye. There is a European techno beat beneath it and a flashing lights display. The only words it uses are divided into small, digestible mantras. On a high, high rotation, it says first, but think of all the stuff you could buy. Second, wouldn't everyone do the same? Third, you are special. Fourth, do it. And finally, somewhat enigmatically, luck is pretty, luck is free. Gosh. What a head-scratcher. You've now done quite a few laps round and around your own brain, and with each minute that passes with cash in your pants, with every park-goer who walks past the bench without inspecting the pale dirt mound where their money should be, with every police siren distracted by some other villain, the brown paper bag feels more and more like your property. Is this all less about morality and more about legal ownership? How long do you have to conceal it in your shorts before it is actually properly yours? There must be some cutoff, right? Some point in time when it belongs to you? And if that amount of time is just arbitrary anyway, why not move it forward? Oh, why not move it forward? This thought spirals into another rationalization and another thought experiment and another quasi-philosophical pondering about the ridiculousness of property law. 
and each time you're surprised by how reasonable you can make theft seem. You look again at the clouds performing their contortions. Rabbits. Question marks. The face of God. And you start to wonder if you've always been one opportunistic paper brown bag away from being a criminal. A pirate. A crooked confidence man. I mean, have you always been this close to immorality? You look up again at the clouds and think that you don't really know who you are with or without this bag of money. You don't know who you are. You don't know why you're doing this, what you hope to gain, because surely, surely, one way or another, surely you'll have to give this money back. And you don't know who you are. But you realise that these voices in your head are not magic in your head. And you realise that you're not special. No one's stealing your thunder. You don't have thunder. You're just conceited. And a bit weird. You can't teach yourself to fly away from people who don't understand you and you didn't invent feeling misunderstood. And you're not the hero of this story, you're a minor character at best. You don't save the day and get the girl, even in fictional short stories that you have written. You don't get the girl. The Beach Boys can't save you now. You are an earnest dork, a tacky art student on a budget, and you are not a person of much substance at all. Oh. Oh. That's, um... These stories are about you. Even episode two, that one was pretty dark. I, Jesus Christ, that's, that's very uh, self-actualized, very self-involved. Either way, it's not really relevant. Okay, so just, you know, just stop thinking about all that stuff and let's focus up. Hey, you cheeky, fourth wall breaking, season finale, loose and tie uppering little fucker. Stop distracting everyone with high-minded self-references for once. Just get your head out of your ass and get back to the story. You are sitting on the grass, looking up at the clouds with a big bag of money that seems to define who you are. You have three voices in your head and a decision to make. Oh, come on, don't hyperventilate. Just, just calm down, all right? Just relax. I get it. You don't think my voice is so rich and compelling anymore. You don't really like me or think I'm that cool or smart anymore, but mate, it doesn't really bother me. Because don't you see, I'm in control here. I'm the voice inside your head and I am in charge. Cut the piano. See what I mean? Yeah, I'm not going to be Switzerland anymore. You have to be what I say you have to be. That's how this whole thing works. I'm the voice in your head. I decide whether you're anxious, sad, happy if I want. I can make you suffer, overthink, not sleep. You've given me all the power, mate. The keys to the car, and I see what this is all about, this bag of money. You want it, but you're afraid. Afraid you don't deserve it. You don't. Afraid you'll get caught. You might. You probably will. Afraid of everything. You're so scared all the time. All the time. You can't decide. Well, me personally, I think this bag of money is going to destroy you. 
and spend it wrong. For sure. I think you should put it back and turn and run like the coward, the goody-two-shoes we both know you are. Turn and run. Run away. You're going to do what I say. You always do what I say. Bring back the piano. Maybe it's a test, you think, for money. You think about it properly, and you decide that no person, no entity, no supreme being cares about you or anyone enough to orchestrate this kind of test. The irrepressible presence of the face of God in the clouds notwithstanding, that's not divine providence, by the way. You're just projecting onto the mesosphere. Ah, get up, on your feet, get up, pace up and down, get up, march, up and across a bit and turn and down and back across a bit and turn and up, and you're not really thinking about where you're walking because you're so busy thinking about how much you're thinking, up and across and turn and down and back across and turn and up and across. It isn't until your fifth lap of this strange and arbitrary shape that you realize you are pacing the perimeter of a big $100 note. And you stand very, very still. Alright, I think this has gone on long enough. No, don't take the money. Please, you'll get caught, you'll get in trouble, we'll lose everything. Yes. Take it. Take it and run. They won't chase you, I won't chase you, we'll be free. Alright, we don't have all day, champion, let's just pick one, hey? Oh, okay, oh, you're gonna take the money. Ah, shit, really? Are you sure? What if we get caught? I don't wanna go to jail. I don't wanna be killed by the mob. Fucking Jesus. Alright, well, let's get running then. Run, run! Drive through the hips, lift your knees up. God, you're so slow, you call this a getaway? When did I lose control here? That was Take the Money, a story about a bag of $100 notes and some very external, internal conflict. As I said, that was the finale of season one of These Stories Are Not Real, and so that's why I have this ridiculous... But nonetheless, I have some thank yous to do. First and foremost, a supermassive, colossal, gargantuan mammoth thank you. Yes, I... A big thank you also to my parents for buying me this microphone for Christmas. Thanks to Nick Lelly for the artwork. I'll link his Instagram handle, Nick's sketches in the show notes. And thanks, of course, to the guy three houses down who was always loudly landscape gardening when I was trying to record. You can't do the whole lawn with a whippersnipper, you maniac. And finally, thanks to you. 
seriously, this podcast wouldn't really exist without you listening to it. Without you, I'd just be talking to myself. Without you, there'd be no one on the other end of the line. So thank you just for taking the time to listen. And if you like the show and wanted to come back for a second season, there are absolutely free and quick ways for you to support the whole operation. Leave a review. Uh, make sure you're subscribed. Tell people about it. Make sure they are subscribed. Follow the show on Instagram. You can get in touch with me through the website or Instagram or these stories are not real at gmail.com. All the links you need are in the show notes. And there's some more of my writing available on the website too, if you're interested. Yeah. They take me quite a long time to make, so I can't put a date on season two. But until next time, whenever that is, I'll leave you with this reminder that making a podcast in your bedroom comes with some occupational health and safety hazards. Here's just a compilation of all the injuries, mostly physical, one emotional, that I captured on tape. Thank you very much for listening. Also, there's a lot of swear words in the next you know, minute, so just beware. Uh, and there's some references to, to tennis elbow. If that is likely to trigger you, I, I'd stop listening now. Oh. Oh. Oh, that's no good. Oh. <laughs> that was my neck cracking, and no, it was not in a good way. Oh. Oh. That's a headbutt. Christ, my sinuses are killing me. Why is the microphone so sharp? Why did I headbutt it? Bop, 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 Man, this is fucking shit, isn't it? No one's gonna like this. Fuck! Toe! I really think I have tennis elbow. Ah, <sighs> paper cut. You're kidding. Ave Maria!